Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 6. Continuing our series, Wisdom Storehouse. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. This is a very uh, loaded and packed full of what I would call spiritual wisdom and treasure. When you read it and you, you, you hear the context that the wisest man that ever lived gives us in this scripture. I really like what the message translation says. It's a little more, well, it's not as polished. It's just kind of in your face. And I'll read it. You lazy fool, look at an ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer it stores up food. At harvest it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. Now that's that's pretty pretty straightforward. Those of you that have a problem or, or the King James Version just doesn't hit home. The message translation just put it right in our face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you ever heard of a myrmecologist? I'm not talking about a person that studies murmuring. Myrmecology is the study of ants. It may not sound like the most exciting career choice, but there is much wisdom that can be gained from watching just mere ants. They are over 10,000. There are over 10,000 different species of ants. They are able to lift 20 times their own body weight. That means that if you had their strength, you could lift approximately 4,000 pounds. Ants have been found to build structures 500 times their own height. The brain of one ant has 250,000 cells, whereas the human brain only has 10,000 or 10,000 million brain cells. However, they probably use more of their cells than we do. Ants have two stomachs, one for storing up food to share with others later, and one for itself. Actually, 
That is one characteristic they keep to themselves. The life expectancy of an ant. Get this. 45 to 60 days. Yet these tiny creatures accomplish much in their short lifespan. If ever there was a creature that had to make the most of his allotted time or days on earth, it's the ant. Could it be that's why the wise Solomon would instruct us to look and go to the ant? So what are some lessons we can learn from the ant? Ants are determined. Somebody say determined. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Ants, unlike people, do not give up easily. Life is full of people who have lost ambition and given up on their dreams and gold. Emer goals. And Emerson said it like this, most men live lives of quite desperation. Why? Because they don't have the commitment and tenacity to accomplish what they set out to do. If you have ever stopped and watched an ant, you have seen that it does not give up easily. How many have ever kicked over an ant pile? We all have been guilty of that a time or two. You kick it off in the, in the evening time. Come back the next morning and what do you have? An anthill many times bigger than the one you just destroyed. Why? Because ants are determined. Ants are not deterred by life's obstacles. They're not deterred by stumbling blocks or circumstances. Ants are just a little different creature that God created. But when you stop and think for a moment, how many times have you found ants in the most unlikely places? In a bag of sugar. In a cookie jar. In a seemingly airtight container. How did they get there? We have stood at our kitchen our kitchen window. I'm talking about brick on the other side, stone right here. And I'm like, where did these ants come from? How did they get in this house? I still don't know how they got in. But they made their mind, I'm going to be so determined that, that I'm coming in this house. There's something in there they want, so they're determined. I believe it's from sheer determination and a, a stick-to-itness that gets them in places that most people could never get in. Come on, somebody. Y'all can help. I just wonder what would happen if we, as Holy Ghost filled, as Spirit-led individuals, would just get that sheer determination. Yeah, the obstacle may be there. Yes, the wall may be there. Yes, the, the, those things that are coming at us, but nothing's going to stop or detour me. Hallelujah. Just like the end, if we are to succeed in life, we must have that same determination. A stick to itness. Ants are opportunists. Everybody say opportunists. First Corinthians 9 22. I am made all things to all men. And you may say, what is what is an opportunist? 
It is an individual who will use whatever resource or means at hand to accomplish a given goal. Watch the ant very long and you will see. You will see them use a broom handle to get where they need to go. You'll see a stick, a paper, a leaf, or whatever they have in order to get over whatever they're trying to do, whatever they're trying to get to, whatever destination they desire. They'll use whatever it takes because they're opportunists. They see an op- They see what many people say, well, that doesn't mean anything. That's just a broom or, 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 or that's a piece of trash, but it gives them an opportunity to get where they want to go. What I like about ants opportunistic ants look for opportunities they refuse to allow the obstacle to deter them or deter them deter them from what they want all too often we are defeated before we ever begin because we look at the impossibility of certain things the ant doesn't seem to even consider defeat It just simply takes advantage of whatever opportunity it has before it. What could we accomplish as individuals, as families, as a church, if we just seized the moment and seized the opportunity wherever it may be? What I like about ants, ants are not selfish Luke 6, 38, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. This is probably the best illustrated, this is probably best illustrated by the fact that they do not have, or that they do have two stomachs, one for themselves and one for sharing. They're not selfish. However, We don't want to dwell too much on that. The fact that ants live in colonies speaks of their concern for the other ants. Within the colony, all the ants work together for the common good. This is vastly different to humans who, although they live together in cities and towns, do not always work together for the common good. The primary lesson the Lord, I believe, wanted us to learn here is that we should be concerned for and willing to help each other. We've got to be willing to help each other. Have you ever been intrigued when you've watched ants move certain objects? Think about it. We've already said they can live 20 times their own body weight, but what do they do when something weighs even more than that? Well, this is good. They enlist the assistance of other ants. It's really eerie yet interesting to watch several ants carry a grasshopper or a cricket back to the anthill for dinner. Think about it. One can't do it by, by himself, so he enlists help. Come on, we can get this back to the we can get this back to the anthill and we can all jo- we can enjoy the harvest. We can enjoy the kill. We can enjoy what we've worked so hard for. I wonder how different our families, communities, churches, and world would be if we simply apply the same practice in our lives. Our concern more for others 
Wow, what a difference a world would be. Ants communicate effectively. Proverbs 8, 8, and 9. You'll only hear true and right words from my mouth. This is the message translation. Not one syllable will be twisted or skewed. You'll recognize this is true. You with open minds, truth-ready minds, will see it at once. I read this illustration today, and I said, I will try to pronounce these words the best that I can. But it, it gives us an illustration of how communication and communicating is so important. And some say it's not important. But when I read this, you're, you'll consider your communication skills. Pardon me as I try not to butcher what I'm about to read. Scintillate, scintillate. Globule, vivific. Fain would I fathom thy nature specific. Loftily poised in the ether capacious, strongly resembling a gem carbonaceous. You may be sitting there saying, what in the world did I just say? Well, it would be translated like this. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. I want to tell you tonight, communication is important. Communication is important. Insects, like animals, have means of communicating. If you watch ants for any length of time, you will see that they really do communicate with each other and very effectively. Ants communicate, listen to this, by touching each other with their antenna. And also by using chemicals called pheromones to, to leave scent trails for other ants to follow. Think about that. There's a gland in the head of some species of ants called the mandibular, mandibular gland, which produces a substance which, among other things, act as an alarm chemical, and it is used to alert other ants to impending danger or attack. When released, this substance will cause nearby ants to adopt a state of readiness and will cause them to come to the aid of the stricken ant. A worker ant who happens upon new food, a new food source will run its abdomen, repeatedly touching the ground with the tip. This produces a chemical or a scent trail leading from the food to the nest and within. As it meets up with the nest, those mates inside of that nest, they get excited. And they begin to get involved. And they begin to touch each other's antenna, which will cause other ants to follow the trail back to the food source. After a while, a line of ants can be observed making their way between the nest and the food. Within a short period of time, there's an army of ants eating. Could that be what the writer meant? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When we begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, we got to tell someone what God's doing. we got to share with someone else what we've experienced and what we've partaken of. And you know what? There's a long line waiting to come in this building and experience what you're experiencing. I believe that's what God's doing in this season for our church. We can't keep it to ourselves. We've got to tell someone, somebody else, if you believe that, say amen.
Ants are focused and unified. Psalms 133, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Ants are not only determined. Let me say it like this. Ants are not only determined as individuals, but they are also focused as a colony. They're together. We're in this together. We're going to build and we're going to become together. In the Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demanded that Linus change TV channels, threatening him with her fist if he didn't. What makes you think you can walk in here and take over, asked Linus. These five fingers, says Lucy. Individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel do you want, asked Linus. Turning away, he looked at his fingers and says, Why can't I get you guys organized like that? Why can't I get my hand? Why can't I get my? You'll catch it later on. You hardly ever see Lone Ranger ants. John Donne in famous. He's famous for what I'm about to read. No man is an island of itself. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent. A part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less as well as a promontory were. As well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never sin to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. We need to be the same way. We need others in our lives. We need each other. We feel the effects when one leaves this, leaves this. We, we, when one takes their last breath and they're promoted to their eternal. We feel the effect of it. Things are never the same. Life goes on, but we still feel the absence of their presence. Why? Because we need each other. In our lives. Although we have different personalities and ways of doing things, we do have common goals, much like the ant. Just like an ant colony, an ant colony we will accomplish more if we all work together. If you believe that, say amen. I want to say that this is a perfect segue. I want to say thank you to those of you that have responded this week, that have sent me messages, you've texted me. And you just sent words of encouragement in our theater seat project. You have you have committed. You've said, Pastor, I, I, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And we're going to see this vision. I want to say thank you for helping the vision come to pass. Thank you. We do more together when we work together. Everybody say taking initiative. Let's look at another aspect of wise living it's called taking an issue. Someone said there are three types of people in the world. Those who do not know what is happening. Those who watch what is happening. And those who will make things happen. Wise people 
make things happen. Wise people take initiative. When they see a problem, they act upon it. They don't sit passively and wait for their ship to come in. They are willing to dive off of the pier and swim out to it. However, they do not act foolishly. They prayerfully take action. I'm talking about the wise. When faced with situations, problems, or needs, the wise person goes to God seeking for wisdom. He then asks himself the question, what would God have me do? Then and only then is action taken. This really makes sense, doesn't it? When you think about what I've just said, if you have a problem, you need to take action. After all, real problems never go away of their own accord. We cannot proverbially put our head in the sand and just think it's going to go away. There's sometimes you just got to say, you know what, we got to fix this. We got to work on this. But unfortunately, many people expect problems to go away on their own or someone else to solve them so they do nothing. This human tendency to do nothing motivated the writer of Proverbs to warn us of laziness. And it brings me to the second half. Lessons from sluggards. Instead of taking action, a lazy person does nothing. Instead, he or she sits by passively watching and waiting for something to happen. Sam Ewing once said, hard work spotlights the character of people. Some turn up the sleeves, some turn up their noses, and some don't turn up at all. That's about the truth. Can I get a witness about right now? A lawyer and a statement, statesman, Daniel Webster was a powerful orator who gave early evidence of his quick mind and way with words. One day Webster's father, who was to be absent from home, left Daniel and his brother Ezekiel specific instructions. But on his return, he found the task still undone and questioned his sons about their idleness. What have you been doing, Ezekiel, he said. Nothing, sir. Well, Daniel, what have you been doing? Helping Zeke, sir. He's been helping him do nothing. Y'all don't know anybody like that, I can tell by the way you're looking at me. The book of Proverbs called people who live by this philosophy as sluggards. Or more commonly, a slug. I, let me just step out here. God hates laziness. Let me just tell you what a slug is. It's a slimy, snail-like creature that may sometimes have a shell attached to its back or no shell at all. It walks slowly and without direction. Slugs are found in places that are high in humidity. They move by crawling, swimming, or floating with the available current. They move at the amazing speed of 23 inches per hour. They sustain themselves by eating both living and decaying plants and are more active at night. Now the symbolism from all of that should be enough to encourage us to not be sluggardly. So lessons from sluggards. They make excuses. Proverbs 22, 13. The slothful man saith, there is a line without, I shall be slain in the streets. In other words, he uses whatever excuse he can come up with to do nothing. 
It's been said that if you don't want to do something, then any excuse will do. No one can find more excuses to do nothing than the person who is too lazy to do anything. You can always find an excuse. Sluggards, they love to sleep. Proverbs 26, 14. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. Just as the door turns back and forth on its hinges, the sluggard turns over and over in his bed. They go around yawning and all day long you hear them say is that they can't wait to get to bed or lie down and hadn't done nothing all day. Y'all don't know anybody like that either. Proverbs 6, 10, and 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man in the NIV version that is. Sluggards <laughs> this is funny, but it's true. You ever been around a sluggard that's a know-it-all? They can tell you how to get the job done. They can tell you how to lay brick and ain't never laid a brick in their life. Proverbs 26, 16, the sluggards is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. That's the word. That's not, that's the word. You ever been around somebody that they can tell you how to do it and ain't never hit a lick at a snake? You ever heard the phrase, they'd argue with a sign even when they had painted it? That's the sluggard. You can't argue. Hear me, somebody, tonight. You can't argue and or reason with a lazy person. They will be the most self-justifying person in the entire world. Some lazy people hide behind excuses like, I just didn't like the work environment. They didn't treat me right. I'm not going to take just any old job. Well, if you ain't got a job, a job is better than no job. I ought to get a, a, an amen about right there. Hallelujah. Some of the sluggard favorite words, some of the sluggard's favorite words are, yeah, but, well, what about, or you just don't understand. Sounds like a sluggard to me. Sluggards procrastinate. The motto of the slugger is, never do today what you can put off until tomorrow. Farm boy accidentally overturned his wagon load of corn in the road. The, the farmer who lived nearby came to investigate and said, Hey, Willis, forget your troubles for a spell and come on in and have dinner with us. Then I'll help you get the wagon up. That's mighty nice of you, Willis said, but I don't think Paul would like me to. Oh, come on, son, the farmer insisted. Well, okay, the boy finally agreed, but, but Paul won't like it. After a hearty dinner, Willis thanked his host. And I feel a lot better now, but I just know Paul is, is going to be real upset. Don't be foolish, exclaimed the neighbor. By the way, where is he? Under the wagon. <laughs> he's, under the, he's in there eating and Paul's underneath the wagon. Paul ain't going to like that too well. 
Sluggards always put off until the last minute or late for everything. That is, if they show up at all. When given a project, they usually bail out on it and find every excuse for not following through. Instead of trying to improve, they just give up. Y'all still with me? Sluggards are the ultimate victim. Everything that is wrong in their life is somebody else's fault. That's a sluggard. Okay? Proverbs 20. Getting a little ahead of myself. Everything that is wrong in their life is someone else's fault. Instead of admitting their laziness, they are busy pointing fingers. They tend to be reactors instead of responders. God help us be responders, not reactors. Respond to things. Respond to needs. Respond with a heart of love. Sluggards are unbelievably irritating. Proverbs 10, 26, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that send him. Proverbs 10, 26, a lazy fellow, this is the living Bible, a lazy fellow is a pain to his employers. Light smoke in their eyes or vinegar that sets the teeth on edge. Please don't be a sluggard on your job. Please don't. Boy, don't let it be said of your employer. Boy, they sure are lazy. Be that worker that when they see you, I can depend on him. I can't wait to get to work to, to work with her. You represent something greater than just you showing up and collecting a check every other Friday. You represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're just not there. You're just not there earning an income or providing for your family with with a job. No, no, no. God's got you there as salt and light in the middle of a dark world. Oh. If there is a grain of sand in the clamshell of life, its name is sluggard. Their laziness will be like smoke in your eyes. While you're busy working, they're laying around looking for a handout. If you're assigned a project to do with a sluggard, two things are sure. You will do most of the work, and they will probably irritate you. I can... Say that with a surety. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. When you are working with a sluggard and you're assigned a project, two things are sure. You're going to do most of the work and they're probably going to irritate you. So what's the results of being a sluggard? Proverbs 19 and 15, slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger. I'm quickly coming to a close. What I'm about to say is going to help somebody. It will help you. A sluggard will struggle to succeed financially and spiritually because they are not willing to pay the price of success in either area. That's a loaded statement right there. If you get that in your spirit. 
A sluggard will struggle to succeed financially and spiritually because they're unwilling to pay the price of success in either area. They will continue lack for the things necessary to maintain a decent existence. Proverbs 10 and 4, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Did y'all did y'all read that with me? God has blessed our church. God has blessed you as individuals and families. But you didn't wake up one day and say, "Okay, God bless me." You know what it does? It it, it takes staying up two or three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning working. Brother Chris, you're there. Others. It, it, it means putting, getting up early before the sun gets up and getting to a job and getting it set up and getting the scaffolds and getting the crew and, and getting it ready to start work because, you know what, if I'm going to have anything, i got to work hard for it. God doesn't bless the sluggard, but God will bless the hands of a diligent man or a diligent woman that says, you know what, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm going to have a better attitude I'm going to have a different outlook and I'm going to understand if I want my hands to be blessed I've just got to be diligent I've got to do my best hallelujah well I wish I had their life I wish I had their success have you interviewed them have you talked to them have you sat down and said tell me uh, tell me how you are so blessed it may shock you what they've been through to get where they are. Come on, somebody, y'all. Hallelujah. See, see what happens, and I, I'm trying to help somebody tonight in the Holy Ghost. See, what we do is we walk in on this chapter of life. But we don't see all the other chapters of life that preceded where we are today. We walked in the middle of the book, and that's where we are, Brother Paul. We didn't see the hell we went through. We didn't see all of the loneliness and the long hours and going to school and being by vocational, raising a, I mean, going to college, newly married, children at home, working two jobs. We don't see that. But we, we see the, the after effect of that. We see the blessings from that. But... There's a reason why you're blessed. There's a reason why the hand of the diligent maketh rich. It's because you just have something inside of you that says, you know what, I can't stay like this any longer. i got to put my hand to the plow, and I ain't looking back. I don't want to be categorized as a sluggard. I don't want to be categorized as a lazy person. But I want to be like the ant that says, hit me with your best shot. Knock me down today. I'll be back up tomorrow. Knock the breath, knock my little kingdom down today. But with the Lord's help uh, and with a colony of people, a support group around me, we can pull me, we can pull through this. Hallelujah. Here's the sad, here's the sad part of the story. Ultimately, if we do not address this and we do not correct our ways, we will live the rest of our life spiritually and financially in poverty. 
We'll always struggle. We'll always. It's just a grind. It's just, but I believe God's calling us as a church and as a people. You may not have everything that, that, that they have or accomplish it. No, but you know what? You can do what you can do. You can be the best you. That's all God wants. That's all this dying and lost world. They deserve the best you you can be. And I'm going to be very, very pointed in this. God cannot and will not bless the individual who is lazy. He cannot. He cannot bless the lazy. He cannot put blessings on the sluggard. But you show me somebody wakes up in the morning with a dry that says, Whoo, it's Wednesday. I got to get up. I got to. I got to get out to that van and I got to make sure there's water in the tank. I got to make sure generators are working. I got to make sure everything's working. I got to make sure I got chemicals. I, I, I got how many cars to wash today? Come on, Sister Candy. Best car, car cleaner in North Alabama that I know of. Can I get a witness from those of you that have used her? She's unbelievable. But you just... You just don't show up at a house and say, I'm going to wash your car today, but I... I ain't got no water in the tank. Generator broke. Man, I'm so sorry, sir. I run out of wa- I run out of soap today. I, I'm not gonna be. I'm just gonna be able to use water. That'd be the last time you come wash their car at their house. But it takes diligence. I need to know what's in the. I need to know what's in the van. I need to know what's what I have. What I need. That's diligence. That's taking serious the craft and the call, what I call a calling, what I call a gifting, a talent. It's putting it into into practice every day you get up. I want God to bless our hands. I do not want God to, to, to withhold blessings from us as individuals and people because we don't manage our time wisely. I do not want God to withhold His blessings from us as a church because I'm busy playing the part of a sluggard. Come on, somebody. I don't. It's easy to get in a negative mindset. It's easy if you allow yourself. Yes, there are a lot of things going wrong, but what's going right? There's a lot of things we can do better. But what have I done? I want to help somebody right now. Maybe you hadn't accomplished all the goals you wanted to accomplish. But what have you accomplished this year? That's where you need to have a party right now. In the middle of December, you need to say, I've not done all that I could have done or should have done. But this one thing I have done. And you know what? I'm going to learn in 2022 is going to be a better year. Not just on paper, but in action. Not writing a New Year's resolution down, and I know I'm midway through December, but I'm getting you ready. Not just writing down what you're going to do, but what you're going to do. When you get up, you're going to do it. Every day it's going to drive you and get you up and cause you to be successful. Hallelujah. I close with this. Once upon a time, there was a pig and a cow living together on a farm. A cow was popular while the pig was not. This puzzled the pig. People speak warmly of your gentle nature and your sorrowful eyes. 
the pig said to the cow. They think you're generous because each day you give them milk and cream. But what about me? I'm going to give them everything I have. I'll give bacon and ham. I'll provide bristles for the brushes. They'll even pickle my feet. Yet no one likes me. Why is that? The cow replied, Perhaps it's because I give while I'm still living. Now you let that sink in right there. What are you giving while you're living? Think about that. What are we giving while we're living? Don't wait till you're dead. That 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 hog's gotta just about wait till he's dead before. But he's measurable because he sees the cow giving while he's living. I want to encourage you tonight. I want to help you. And I want to ask you a question. Are you giving while you're living? Or are you... The pig was looking at every... When I look at this illustration, he was observant of everyone else but not himself. It's easy to get caught up in what everybody else is doing. How can I contribute? What can I do? What, how can I be my best me? We've got to find ways that we can give while we're still living. And if we can do that, we will, we will truly become and live from wisdom storehouse a life that when we play it back and when we look back, we can remember defining moments where we got a hold of ourselves. Where we... You know, we just shook ourselves, and you know what this says. You know what, I'm a single mom, but I can go to college. I can get my degree. I could, I, I could go get a career. I could get out of that. I can become something. There are defining moments that, that shape us and shake us to thrust us into our God-given destinies. There are moments you wake up and say, I ain't doing this no more. I'm tired of it. I'm going to be and become all that God's called me to be. It may take me working full time and going to school. It may take me getting two jobs to accomplish some of the goals I have in my life. Am I talking to anybody tonight? I've lived what I'm preaching. My wife and I, we've been down these roads and we under, there are defining moments that shape you. And thrust you out of a spirit of a sluggard. A spirit of a sluggard that would try to draw you back into a proverbial cocoon. And not become all that God's called you to be. As you stand to your feet tonight. My closing illustration was a cow and a pig and a cow's perception of his life he had understanding I'm going to give while I'm living and if I could twist this 
because sometimes that doesn't register quite like Tim McGraw wrote. I'm going to live like I'm dying. Same connotation, virtually the same meaning. But if you would live your life like you're dying, what would you do tomorrow different? What would you do different tomorrow if you knew you were dying? I hate to give you the public, the public service announcement. We're dying. I said, we're dying. We were born, but we're dying. We don't know when our last breath is going to be. I want to make every breath and every, every day, every moment, to the best of my ability, count and give a little while I'm living. Lord, I pray right now, there may be somebody in this room that the Word of God has found a lodging place. I see, I, I see testimonies of people that are doing things now. That are stepping out. and they, There was a defining moment that said, I want to be. I want to become. And they took action. Lord, I pray this night that someone would take action over their mind, over their heart, over their health. And God, we would truly be all that you have designed and called us to be.